Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Square Circle Podcast. On this episode, it is dedicated to AEW Dynamite. However, before we get into AEW Dynamite, there is some sad news in the wrestling world. Sad news in the wrestling world. Our very own voice of wrestling, one of the greatest announcers ever, Howard Finkel, had passed away in the morning. He was 69 years old, and even the Square Circle podcast is saddened to hear his passing. Wrestling, and thank you for calling the awesomest of matches. You will be greatly missed. After this podcast episode about AEW, about AEW Dynamite, there will be another follow-up podcast episode in relation to WWE releasing a lot of WWE talent. And I will take a look at the list and see where they should go and talk about it. And it will be a very podcast that I could do. I'll tell you right now, those are the two WWE housekeeping stuff of the podcast. Now let's head over to the AEW Dynamite show. During the midst of this coronavirus that has been kept us quarantined for a very long time, I am really missing actual professional wrestling where there's fans involved and there's obviously a different atmosphere. On the other hand, WWE doesn't quite have the formula for it, but, you know, we'll get to it when I do that podcast episode about WWE and in and, and whole. A promo from Jake the Snake Roberts. I could get used to Jake the Snake Roberts open. I could get used to Jake the Snake Roberts opening up AEW Dynamite every single Wednesday. Conducts a promo. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. I want to learn from it. And I definitely want to see where he's going in terms of leading the story of Lance Archer being the monster. Why AEW should fear Lance Archer and definitely why Cody Rhodes should fear Lance Archer. In Jake Roberts' promo, there were two lines that stuck out to me. The first line is that he mentioned that in order for Lance Archer is this monster, this wrestler that murders people in the ring. He had to go to New Japan Pro Wrestling in order to mold himself into that because his current situation being in the States wasn't really allowing it. And that had me taken back a little bit. And I was like, yeah, you know, I remember watching before Lance Archer became Lance Archer. He was originally Lance Hoyt and he was in TNA. He was in WWE for a bit. And I never really knew what happened to Lance Hoyt after everything. And then he comes in as Lance Archer in New Japan Pro Wrestling and blows up and becomes the monster that we know today. Um, he is very scary. But in the ring, it's super scary. I would not want to be in the ring with him, with him. And I would definitely would not want to see any person that I know personally to wrestle him as well. But if need be, you know, it's a business that has to be done. But other than that, he commands the ring. He commands your attention. And you know that one way or another, you're going to get murdered by him. And it's kind of 
interesting to see that people's careers tend to blow up when they go to New Japan Pro Wrestling. And right. exactly. when they do and he has been placed in the TNT Championship Tournament. The network, TNT, created this tournament for AEW and they want to crown the first ever TNT champion. To me, that's the equivalent of having a TV title. I like the idea. So when the TNT Championship Tournament was announced, my pick for it was Sean Spears. Sean Spears was my pick because I believe he needs a title to sort of push him and elevate him. And he could be a semi-face of the company other than Cody Rhodes being the face of the company. I personally believe that Cody Rhodes is the face of the company. Everything that AEW does, not many people, I guess the medium... When you talk about AEW, they're not going to automatically say, oh, yeah, that's the company that the Young Bucks have. Oh, yeah, that's the company that Kenny Omega has. No, they're most likely going to be like, hey, isn't Cody Rhodes there? Like, doesn't Cody Rhodes own AEW? It'll be something like that. Even though we know now the structure of AEW and who owns it, who does what. I'm just saying that when you talk to a casual fan who doesn't watch professional wrestling, but they hear things about AEW, who is the most person that they're talking about? They're always talking about Cody Rhodes. And they could talk about Kenny Omega. And they could talk about Tony Khan. But the Jaguars and football and stuff, not mainly wrestling, you know? So that's what I that's what I feel that feel that Cody Rhodes is a Cody Rhodes is a face of AEW because everyone talks about Cody Rhodes. Most in media appearances alongside him with Brandy. So, you know, to bring awareness to AEW, Cody Rhodes and Brandy is doing it. Everyone else is doing it too, but not as much as them. That's just how I see things and perceive things. Not to get on anyone who's slacking or anything like that. So don't take it that way. I believe that when Sean Spears was signed with AEW and when he came into the company and when he started feuding with Cody Rhodes, that whole story, Spears should have went over. Because Spears needed the win. Cody really didn't need the win. Cody could have came off the loss and worked his way back up to redeem himself. And then bam. Now Sean Spears is doing this program. progress but with this whole quarantine stuff is a little bit difficult to, to do the search for spears however i feel like at this time spears doesn't really need an outside partner spears can definitely tag team with mjf here and there if you guys saw some weeks back when they first did the no fans in the arena the closed sets sean spears and mjf was gambling at ringside betting on the matches of who would win and i thought that was an excellent tag team on twitter you guys can follow me marie underscore shadows where i did a poll asking the wrestling community do they think sean spears overwhelmingly people said yes and i think that's the way that they should go in terms of this tnt championship tournament sean spears was my pick because he needs something more he needs to be pushed and everything is there and we've been waiting for this big push for him ever since and left and now he's in AEW, where AEW gives opportunities to everyone
as it's fake or anything, they really mean it. So I really think that Sean Spears would have had the greatest opportunity to become the first ever TNT championship just because he needs it. And I think that he would be creating amazing storylines with the TNT championship because how heelish can you be when you would say that the AEW championship doesn't matter? The TNT championship matters because the network, then the AEW championship Person, person, you know, something to that effect, something to the effect of the TNT championship is worth more than the AEW championship. Imagine if in promos and stories and angles just on that premise alone, because, you know, it's weird to introduce a TNT championship a tv title or something to that effect where you know it's a tv title and throughout wrestling history and wrestling companies they had champions you know i know that spears can bring the best out of people because he's been doing it for so long cody doesn't need it sammy doesn't need it darby doesn't need it kip doesn't need it dustin doesn't need sammy doesn't need it darby doesn't need it kip doesn't need it dustin doesn't need it Cole Cabana don't need it at this moment because he just came in and Lance Archer definitely does not need it. Lance Archer needs the AEW championship belt and he needs to until someone dethrones him. It would be kind of stupid to put him to have him have the belt and then like drop it. If he wins the TNT championship belt, which I think that's what they're going to do because of the way the landscape is set up now, it's going to be a very dominating era for Lance Archer to hold on to that TNT. I do not know who would dethrone him. I don't know. But I do know. They're going to make that championship mean something. And the only reason why I'm now jumping behind Lance Archer. Cody Rose defeated Sean Spears last week. And again, I thought that was the wrong call. Um, I do understand that, you know, they've have they have a history. Being an AEW, it's returning the receipt. But then again, like Cody goes over. Now, this is where AEW is getting predictable. Blame or there's no one really to. I do not want AEW to fall down the path of being predictable. So far, nothing has been predictable. Everything has felt smooth. Everything felt right. Because Cody has now advanced most likely it is going to be the matchup of Cody Rhodes versus Lance Archer, the match that Jake Roberts wants. This should have been met in some different way where let's say that they give the belt to Cody Rhodes, Cody Rhodes, because that's what he wants. He wants that match against Cody. He wants, he wants that match against Cody Rhodes. So that'd be the best time to do that, to have Archer chase him for the belt. Cody drops the belt, gives it to Lance Archer. This is just, but I'm going to say that they're. Go- I'm going to say that they're going to set up Cody Rhodes okay. when it comes to the finals. Let's get into of the first TNT match. Championship tournament. The first match is Lance. Okay, let's get into the first match. This match 
I'm happy that this match is not a squash match. Both men have 20 years at least under their belt. And I love the video package that they play right before the match starts. And Cabana is talking about his history and everything that he's done. He's done amazing in his wrestling business. I even had the privilege of watching him live. And that was years ago. So. He made the right choice to come over to AEW and not stay with NWA. Nothing against NWA. I love NWA. I grew up on NWA and I'm glad that NWA is back. But in terms of where fulfilled and satisfied and look amazing, AEW is the place to go. So the cool thing about this first opening match is that I've noticed a very important detail about Lance Archer. Every single match that Lance Archer has, there is no same, same storytelling moves. There is no same spots. There is no same rhythm. Sometimes understand how they work in the ring and you understand the formula that they come up with. And that's like their safety net. Of course, Lance, their safety net. Of course, Lance Archer is going to have his consistent moveset. However, this big guy does. Uncanny, that's one. Very, very different. And you don't know how he's going to do it. You do know that somewhere in this match that he's having with his opponent, he's going to hit his finisher, which is a blackout. He's going to hit his pounce from wherever. And then the rest of the time, it's either he's going to surprise you with something or his opponent is going to get the upper hand. So that way it doesn't look like Lance is just dominating everything because that's not really cool. That's just like boring. Lance knows how to have a amazing match maybe with somebody that you know they're wrestling for the first time Lance has a story in every one of his matches and they're not the same I wrote about his three best matches this was an article that's on Sportskeeda this was published before his debut because I wanted to bring some hype to it and let the casual fans know this is what to expect from Lance Archer here is some lessons from each match when you look at his body of work as a whole everything is different it felt like almost both men were evenly matched there was a lot of speed and power jumps gets caught by Lance Archer and then Lance Archer slams him down. By Lance Archer and then Lance Archer slams him down. That looks so devastating as if the wind just got taken out of Cabana and then luckily Cabana kicks out at two. Lance Archer does a ripcord lariat to Colt and then Colt offense in. He does. He throws some elbows, does a hurricanrana, does a hurricanrana, takes Archer off his feet. However, it is not enough. Archer comes back with a devastating pounce into the blackout which is his finisher and that leads archer to win the match and advance in the tnt championship tournament not to take away from Colcabana. Colcabana did an amazing job both guys made each other look like a million bucks out there and that was for that match i really highly appreciate the fact that matches feel fun but his matches are fun and exciting his matches are fun and exciting i don't know if that's a good thing but it definitely feels like a good thing after that we get a by dr Britt baker did you know she's a dentist Britt has turned into a very good heel 
I am so happy that she is a heel. I'm happy that she's out there being remembered and becoming a meme and just having fun with it. In this promo, she says that the first rule of being a role model is to always fight fair. She was saying how Sheeta was definitely not fighting fair in their match, in their confrontation, because during that match, her knee connects that to Britt's face and breaks her nose. It was a really and well done promo, by the way. To Britt, that's after not that, fighting fair. We get a first after that. We get a first women's match, which Cassandra Golden she is fighting Dr. Britt Baker. There's really not much going on. This is what you consider maybe a squash match. So the only highlight of this match was Britt taking Cassandra's mouth, putting it on the rope, and then stopping her in the back of the head. Picks up the one, two, three. It is Sammy Guevara versus Serge D in like pronouncing his name. So if I refer to him as Pineapple Pete, just be aware as the same guy. Just be aware as the same guy. Pineapple Pete is just a nickname because he comes out Hawaiian shirt that has pineapples and Chris Jericho dubbed Chris Jericho dubbed him Pineapple Pete because for some reason we can't say Serge or Serg because either way it's gonna get messed up. And I don't like messing up people's names. Sammy G versus Serg. This one was an interesting match. Sammy is getting better in his heelish ways, really pushing pushing everything to be remembered, to be the guy, and to make sure that you know he's a Spanish god. Sammy does a vertical suplex to Serge or Serg. And then Sammy has for the for the remainder of this, I'm just gonna call him Pineapple Pete. So please bear with me. Sammy has Pineapple Pete up on his shoulders and does squats. The only other people in professional wrestling who has ever done that to their opponents in some similar fashion is definitely Scott Steiner and Lex Luger. Those two would do that. Pineapple Pete did a surprise roll-up pin to Sammy to Pineapple Pete and then picks him up into a fireman carry and that allows Sammy to pick up the victory and in his warm-up match before he faces Darby Allen at next week's Dynamite for the advancement of the TNT Championship Tournament. Sammy does something very, very interesting. After Sammy wins the match, he grabs the microphone. He says that he's going to beat the shit out of Darby Allen. And as he shows everybody how he's going to beat the shit out of Darby Allen, Darby Allen comes in for the save. Sammy runs. That's the end of that. Our next match is Kip Sabian versus Chuck Taylor. At the beginning of this match, there was a lot of chain wrestling. There was a single kip on chuck kip did a striking kick kicking strike against chuck in the uh, corner of the ring where sometime a little bit later kip does the up and over on chuck then he runs to the other side of the ring leaps to his feet while chuck tries to block look like almost like a fake out so kip decides to knee chuck in the face which brings chuck down to the floor and then kip tries for a baseball slide chuck sidesteps then chuck grabs kip suplex him back first onto the ring apron penelope ford gets up on the apron to distract chuck it works and then orange cassidy tries to do the same thing that doesn't really work havoc who's at ringside pretending to be a fan jumps over the guard pretending to be a fan jumps over the guardrail with all the distraction going on penelope ford does a hurricanrana on chuck taylor rolls out the ring rolls out the ring 
for this match. Our next match is Justin Law versus Spears. Justin Law is a loco. He has to be a loco of Florida because I don't know anything about him. And this is what I was talking about. Sean Spears is now put in feature loco talent rather than rather than very amazing idea the TNT Championship Tournament, but we're reduced to him wrestling these type of matches. Of course, a match is a match, given the circumstances. I totally get that. After what looked like to almost be a upset pin, Sean Spears gets very vicious, lands a C4 finisher, and picks up the victory, and that's it. We come to the main event of AEW Dynamite. This is voiced by Jim Ross, and Jim Ross did lovely commentary for this match single-handedly. This would be bad commentary. It was great commentary. I enjoy listening to JR. Learned a lot, so if there's some lines in my notes that are there's some lines in my notes that are from JR it's because that's what I wrote down the main event of AEW Dynamite was Jake Hager versus John Moxley this was for the AEW championship title it had a big fight feel even with the celebrities and the comedians and the professional wrestlers chiming in on their prediction of who would take the championship you know who's going to be winning at the beginning of the match, Mox gets the first takedown on Hager, both back up to, ver to vertical bases. With their chain wrestling moves, or just shoot style MMA moves, both of them get back up to a, ver a vertical base. Match is that there was no dirty tricks involved. Everything was either a clean break and backing off, giving the other guy room to breathe. And I thought that was a very smart idea. You would think that because Jake Hager is part of the inner circle and the inner circle is heel, he would do some heelish shit, but he obviously didn't do no heelish shit. There was times where it felt like Jake was very honest in this match in terms of his MMA. We're you my knew that both guys were just hurt each other. Like you knew that both world. guys. It was clean weight championship. It was however, just prize like the AEW world. It was no. World. It was clean weight championship. It was however, nice. just because they no, involved, it was clean and it was nice. There was no dirty cheap tricks just because they involved a chair anything less of what it was because it was a no heart no holds bar match but the chair added to the style of the match it to the style of the match it added to everything moxley was looking for that wrist control this whole entire time moxley was trying to look for the wrist control so that way he can haggard down to the mat and start working on his wrist so again like i said in previous podcasts working on a body part even even in mma there's um lots of chances for these guys to work on body parts moxie almost had a submission while having while trying to maintain that wrist control he almost made it into an arm bar however when haggard reached the ropes look like for real punches like after hagger delivers some punches to mox he backs off of mox giving him time to get up this time mox tries to take control of the ankle hagger reverses it another clean break hagger goes into mox with some knees mox blocks and once again tries to take 
hold of that wrist lock. Haggard down onto the mat. He turns into the STF, goes for a headlock, and then knees Mox on his side. Mox decides to throw Haggard to the outside. Then he flies out to the outside, landing on Haggard. And this is where Mox once again takes control of the wrist, tries to put an arm bar on him. Hagger breaks out of it by raining down hammer fist on Mox. Moxley is really trying to go for an MMA style here, but he is obviously. But that doesn't matter. Moxley has a fire within him that is never going to quit. Even if he doesn't know too much about a particular style, you know, he trains in it, but you know, he's not from that world, but he's going to give it his best shot. And throughout this whole entire match, he gives it his best shot. As they both come up, Moxley attempts a gut style powerbomb onto Hagger. There is a point where Mox tries to create a distance between the two by throwing some chairs in between them, which I thought that was a pretty funny segment. You know, um, these chairs that Mox are throwing at Hagger, Hagger doesn't really care. Hagger is like, really? And he keeps walking towards Mox until they get into some open space. And that's where Mox unleashes some forearms and some chops onto Hagger to get him staggered in. You can definitely see that Hagger at this point is staggered and surprised. And then at this point, Hagger is uh, in pain. He's screaming, but because he is laying in some punches, he breaks free. There is one point where Mox does a front face lock. Now they're back in the ring. And Mox decides to do a power clothesline to Hagger. And Mox decides to do a power clothesline to Hagger. Hagger does not stagger. Power clothesline. And Hagger gets some offense on Mox. Mox counters with a running knee. And there are some exchanges of knees, punches, and more. Moxie tries again for a gut wrench, gut wrench powerbomb on Hagger. Does not work. So, in desperation times, a clothesline from Mox to Hagger finally takes both men down. They're both on the mat. Read the both men Mox rested for a little bit. For a Hagger package. puts an ankle lock. And that Mox only allows for, for a two package. count. After both men and have rested for a little that bit, Hagger allows an for a two count. Mox does a DDT. And that only allows for a two count. And then Mox does a DDT to Hagger. Hagger during this match does a does the choke submission. Moxley smartly pulls himself to the ropes to cause a rope break. While both men are on the outside, Hagger gets a shot and drives it right into Mox's abdomen. And then Hagger positions the chair into in which John is put through the steel chair. Hagger takes that chair and starts hitting Moxie's ankle with it, applies the ankle lock, and then somehow Moxie reverses it into a triangle choke. Hagger picks up Moxley with all of his strength. Moxley is looking for that wrist control. And now an exchange of flurries between both Hagger and, and Mox now an exchange again. of flurries between both Hagger and Mox, Mox start out again. Of Mox out of desperation. 
And at this point, when Hagrid is getting over to Mox, Moxie takes the chair and throws it into Hagrid's face, then does the paradigm shift onto Hagrid. Moxie picks up the win, one, two, three, and Moxley is still our AEW World Heavyweight Champion. Moxley, despite all the training he has done, all the preparation he has done, Jake Hager has a leg up on him because he does professional MMA wrestling. He has a record in MMA. So because he lacks the foundation of MMA style, that lacks the MMA style. That that chair was the equalizer in this match, and that's why it wasn't a bad finish. It was a very interesting finish. I didn't think that they would have had the chair thrown in there. Maybe they were probably planning for Moxie to do a submission, but then that would have been very flat. This was very quick and powerful, and you didn't see it coming, especially when he threw the chair into Hagrid's face and then brought him down for the paradigm shift, and then bam, that's it, because obviously you're knocked out. Both guys put a lot of work into it, and I appreciate. And it felt simple. You know, there there didn't need to be no flashy moves or flips or anything out of the ordinary that just screamed, hey, look at me, I need attention. This was more hard-hitting. It was more technical. Ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up this episode talking about AEW Dynamite. I hope you guys enjoyed it. The employees that they let go and where they should probably end up going after everything is done and said with thank you guys for tuning in and i'll see you guys on the next one